Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 174 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Uh, the intro is back and normal, so that means we don't have Rob with us this week. <laughs> I, I, did. I was going to say, that sounded weird <laughs> because it was normal. That's why it sounded weird. <laughs> it's so true. It's How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great, Joe. How's it going, man? It's going good. I think we kind of was like, we, we shoved this in because we haven't talked in so long that we're like, yes, we have to record, <laughs> but I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it feels like, isn't it? It really, really, really is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, but we both have been exceedingly busy. And so um, I, I'm going to announce right now that we're going to probably drop down to about every other week um, until the holiday season is over, just because this is this is Ray's busy season. And uh, online teaching is just kind of kicking my ass. Uh, so. <laughs> you and everyone else, man. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little rough, but uh, but we're we're pushing through and and it's it's all good. Um, I do have a, a good announcement, but I'll get to that when we get a little further in. I um, wonder if if listeners can track what time of year it is by how exhausted we sound at the beginning of the show. <laughs> it's so true because I feel like every fall this is the same story that we tell, right? Every it fall. really is. It really, really is. That's funny. Well, I want to hear a little bit about how um, your online teaching experience has been. And I also want to hear about if you've been able to fit in any geeky stuff along the way. Well, the the teaching has been pretty good. I mean, my situation is compounded by a couple of things. One, it is exceedingly hard to teach um theater online like they just yeah. they don't want to turn on their cameras and i get it i don't like being recorded and, and we're not recording the class but there's that feeling mm-hmm. that you like on camera and um so that's been tough and the fact that i'm brand new school mm-hmm. so you know everything takes me three times longer because i've not done it this way before sure um you know grades are due and it's like oh it's an entirely different system i have to learn and <laughs> sure Four four hours of the whole don't touch people inappropriately, don't say inappropriate things to people trainings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of that. Um, but, you know, I'm starting to, to connect with some of the kids and get those personalities figured out. And um, and it, it is nice just to teach theater and not to have to worry about English. So, yeah. So that- and, is, and is the population that you're working with, the student body, are they like geeked on theater or is this like – an elective that they had to choose or something? Um, a lot of them got dumped in there. The problem is, is right now I have, um, there's four theater one classes and there's a theater two, three, four combined class, which mm-hmm. means that there's a huge drop off from first year drama to advanced drama. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's my biggest hurdle right now is to fix. I'm teaching a lot of intro classes and, I need to get to a point where I'm like they brought me on to expand the program. So I need to get to a point where they're like, wow, this is fun. Let's go take it again. Right. Um, But we're just not there yet. Right. Right. Okay. Um, And then have you been able to squeeze in any geeky stuff? Yes. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we are probably going to go down to um, every other week is because last weekend. <laughs> what have you done, Joe? I, I recorded I recorded about 
eight hours of online RPG gaming. What? Um, because we are officially going to be, and I, for all of those who are like, but you were going to do a game. Yeah, it's not my game. I'm just a player in other games. Um, <laughs> the, the, the network is going to have a new show, which is tentatively going to be called um, As the Dice Roll. And it is going to be edited by me, but it is going to be not just one actual play, but multiple actual plays. So right now we have something that I think we're calling the, oh, what was the name of it? It's brand new. So um, Cautious Optimism, (laughs) which is a campaign that takes place in space using the GURPS system. And it is going to be um, a little Firefly-esque. Mm. So that's one of them, and that's got great plot and um, nice character development, and it's featuring a whole bunch of podcasters who I will announce later when we're all official and and fancy. And then the other uh, campaign that's going to be running is uh, called the Horse Feather Saga. It's Dungeons Dragons Fifth Edition, and it is basically me, my brother, and a bunch of our World of Warcraft friends. Um, it is not deep it is not uh, um it is not huge character development it is just how much silliness can we pack in a four-hour session so we i'm having both i'm having fun with both and the the goal is that as people in the network want to run actual plays we'll put them all under the as the dice roll umbrella and that will be that will be a new feature for the network Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got me thinking of mine again, too. But, you know, as we said, this is not the time to be <laughs> starting all this new stuff. So, But I did do a thing, Ray. I, I yeah. did a thing that I need to talk to you about. That oh, I thought this was the thing. That was not the thing. That was just oh a thing. <laughs> okay, because this sounds like a massive, really cool, but really massive project. This is a very cool, massive project. And and so you know that this thing that I did is even bigger than that. Um, I, I went, uh, they, they opened up a drive in over here and I, I saw, I saw New Mutants. <gasps> you saw it. I saw it. It has been seen. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> yeah, I've been, oh I have been waiting for because because we were supposed to record last week, and I have been holding on to this for like a week and a half. How, how <laughs> is this? How is this not the show that we're about to do? Because you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, I need to go see it. Oh my yeah. god! All right, I got to figure out where I can go see it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there are drive-throughs out there that that'll probably be showing it a little bit longer, and uh, I'm sure it'll be on Disney Plus soon. But I just wanted to announce that the wait time for me is over. I have seen it. I have opinions. Wow, it's it, the the era has ended. <laughs> wow, I yeah. don't even know what to say right now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, like it was like you don't know how much I wanted to text you and tell you, but I was like, no, I need your online reaction. <laughs> yeah. How? Okay. I don't even know how to. I'm literally right now, Joe. I'm searching for drive-ins near me. Like, <laughs> like New Mutants drive-in Orange County. I guess I can look. Do they? How do you even search drive-ins? It I have to hard. see this as soon as possible because I need to talk about this with you. 
Yes, and it's I have, I have right. so many opinions, and I just can't. I won't. I won't tell you anything because uh, it's because you have to experience it for yourself authentically. Yeah, it's killing me right now that we can't just dive in and talk about this. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's holy shit. That is news. Yes. So it is. It is now. It is done. I no longer have the anxiety that is created by not knowing what it was going to be. I have other anxieties, but it's not that anxiety. Yeah. Do you feel like you're able to close this chapter? Yes. That's yes. great. That's um, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can say, I, I will say this. I, it, it, the review, I'm not giving anything away because the reviews are very clear. It's not good. Okay, right. But it could have been so much worse. Oh, <laughs> okay. So much worse. All right. All right. So now what you've done is you've raised my expectations and now I'm going to hate it. because oh, That's okay to- because that'll make the discussion that more enjoyable for me <laughs> because I have, I have things to say. Oh, my God. Okay. I need to somehow get my brain to move on from this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I uh I have been it is you know as you mentioned it is my busy season as well. Every fall my life gets kind of turned upside down because I work in admissions and normally this is the heavy recruitment season which means for me a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And the last 5 years that I've been doing this job I, uh, my two territories, my local Terry is Los Angeles, which sounds fine, except that I live in Orange County. (laughs) I live and work in Orange County and the Los Angeles territory literally refers to the entirety of LA County, which is enormous. So, and Ventura County. So, yes. And part of Long Beach or, or I guess that's the LA County. I don't know, but um, yeah, so my local, quote unquote, local territory stretches from North Long Beach to Santa Barbara. Jeez. Which that's not local. No, there's that's, nothing, you know, nothing local about Santa are, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love my job. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, my coworkers' local territory is like Laguna Niguel and Irvine. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that's his local. My other coworkers' local territory is like. Long Beach and Whittier and like Santa Ana. You know what I mean? Yeah. My local territory is like, okay, I'm driving to uh, Santa Barbara. I'm driving to, you know, <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> that's, that's my local territory. So my national territory or out of state territory has been the South, the Southern United States for the last five years. So basically the furthest that anyone on my team flies or, or spends, you know, travel time in the air. And so normally at this time of the year, like I'd be coming to you from, I mean, I think I podcasted with you in a hotel in Atlanta or something. Oh yeah. We, we've done it multiple times. Yeah. And so I would be, you know, I would, I would fly to Atlanta and be in Atlanta for four or five days for four or five events. And I would try to schedule class visits and I would get to enjoy my off time. What little off time I get in Atlanta, you know, and just mm-hmm. visiting the city. And a lot of eating great Southern food. And uh, this year, there's been a change in that I'm no longer, I'm still covering the Los Angeles County territory, but I'm no longer assigned to the Southern United States, which is fantastic. Um, 
even though I'm going to miss New Orleans and Atlanta and Miami and all those great cities. Uh, I'm now, my national territory is now um, Northern California. Oh. So we get so many students from Northern California that it counts for us as a national territory. Wow. And so it, basically I'm responsible for all of California from Los Angeles up north, the entire state. Jesus. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, normally, you know, in a normal year where I would actually be traveling and flying, now my flight time is actually cut. I mean, down to like thirty percent because it's an hour, an hour and a half tops mm-hmm. fly, flying up to San Francisco and Oakland and Sacramento and you know Davis and like so Fresno and like those areas. So that that's my new territory. Um, and so I thought one, if I was traveling, it's going to be a lot easier on my body now. Cause I'm not traveling as far away and I'm not dealing with the time difference. Right. And two, we're not traveling anyway this season because of COVID cause we're in a pandemic. So I'm working from home and it's going to be a lot easier. And it just turns out that, you know, virtual <laughs> working virtually is exhausting in different ways. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it right. Really is. Yes. Like my body actually feels fantastic because I'm getting a lot of rest, you know, I'm, I'm like a lot of lounge time. Right. Mm-hmm. But my brain is mush. <laughs> oh, I hear you, man. I like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I am somebody who spends a lot of time in front of the computer. I play video games. I like mm-hmm. zoom meetings are hard. Yes. Like the, like the amount of energy output that you have to put out Exactly. Compared to the amount that you get back from other people is the, the difference is ridiculous. That's exactly where I was going with this, Joe. Exactly. Is that I'm so, I mean, you're a teacher. I worked in high schools. I taught for 10 years and I give class presentations now. So it's, it's, it's very much from being a substitute teacher to being a, an art school rep that gives presentations to to high school classes. It's, it's very much the same energy. Mm-hmm. Where I walk in and it's about classroom management and it's about projecting enough energy to reach and connect with the students so that you have hold their attention and then feeding off of the energy that they give back to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I it, it's really, really apparent how much my engine of, of like doing this work really feeds off of the students, you know, personalities and, you know, questions and engagement. And with Zoom, you have none of that. No. So you're really, it's like a car with like a faulty alternator, you know, like you're, you're expending that battery and mm-hmm. there's nothing that is recharging it while you're expending it. Mm-hmm. It's not until you're still and you're away from the screen and you're able to just zone out. Are you able to actually recharge your battery? battery. Yeah. Whereas for teachers, I mean, yes, it's exhausting to be a teacher, but if you're already a teacher, you're already inclined to sort of feed off of the classroom's energy anyway. Right. 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 So we're not getting any of that now. No. And that's gotta be the hardest part of this online teaching stuff is that you like, I met with silence so much. And again, as a, as a, as a theater teacher, it's like, I can't judge you on pantomime if you don't turn on your camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's only so much I can do. Yeah, no, totally, absolutely. So, um, I, I, that silence is, <laughs> it is so, and and not just silence, but the cameras are not even on. 
Mm-mm. So you're staring, you're just projecting onto this blank screen. And when the cameras are on, the students are not reacting. No. Like maybe you'll see part of their face. Maybe they're looking at something off camera most of the time. So it's not like there there's a back and forth engagement happening. No. And that is just exhausting. I did two. I mean, there, there are times in, in, in a normal recruitment season where I would give five or six presentations in one day. And, you know, for a teacher, it's like teaching five classes. Like it's right. exhausting, you know, but, but you get through it and it's kind of a normal day. Right. And yesterday I gave two back-to-back class presentations and I was exhausted. <laughs> I was like, my throat was hoarse. I was like, I had a headache and I was like, wow, this is way different. Yeah. Well, and, and we like, when you do connect with the kids, it like re-energizes you. So even if you're tired, I remember that with, with, you know, my last job is I would be tired from teaching English all day and go, Oh my God, how am I going to do another two or three hours of drama after this? And then, you know, you start doing it and the kids are laughing and you guys are getting into it and you're sharing that experience. And I'm assuming it's very similar when people like get into art and start talking to you about art and and how much they're excited about it. It re-energizes you and you just don't get that in this format. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's been really interesting. Um, It's been an adjustment. Um, We're, we're constantly, our understanding of, of the, you know, the virtual version of our work is constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and in between that, I've been um, spending a lot of time with a new person in my life, which is pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, especially considering we met during a pandemic. <laughs> 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 and um, watching, uh, and I feel like again, this is a this is a song that you and I sing so often on this podcast. But um, watching just really easy going entertainment, just uh-huh. non demanding. You know, I started. I wanted to talk about um, Lovecraft Country. Yes, I want to see that. I, it's going to be a hard sell for Matt, though. I think. Right. Well, I I was kind of saving it because I was so excited about it and I wanted to wait until I was recharged enough to really give it, you know, the attention that I felt it deserved. Mm-hmm. And um we started we started it this past weekend. I didn't even make it through the first two episodes, Joe. Oh no. Yeah, I did I, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm plan I'm taking a step back and I'm planning to dive back in at some point in the future, but it felt the story felt discombobulated to me. The storytelling did not feel solid Hmm. and there was a lot going on. And, and the positive word of mouth that I've been reading about online is that people love it for that. People love it. It's like the book in that the book apparently has a very, what's the word propulsive, I think uh, story. Okay. It just starts and you just, you're just going and it's just like, one thing after another, it's a, it, you know, the story just goes and the show feels like that. So I don't know if it was just, you know, the time we're in that I'm just like, oh, I can't handle this. Or if it's just an uneven show for my taste, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, but, but <laughs> you know what I've been really enjoying is uh, something that we actually talked about on one of our recent episodes with Rob is the Justice League animated series. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's a kid's show and it's, you know, it's fun and it's simple. It's easily digestible. I have it on in the background. I'm able to sort of follow the basic, you know, plot. Um, and it's just, it's just good entertainment. Like it's just, for me, it just, it just hits those like really comfortable, easy marks for me. It's like superheroes, you know, um, really classical storytelling arcs, you know, like a beginning, middle and end sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then they do just enough with the characters. They do just enough, the character building, the character interactions, the, the way they make sure that each character has a distinct personality. There's just enough of that to really like hook me and just keep, keep me interested. That's awesome. That's so, yeah, awesome. I'm almost done with season one. I'm uh, looking forward to season two. And then after that, probably going to continue into um, Justice League Unlimited. Okay. I'm going to have to put that on my list and see if I can catch up to you. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. You know what I have? You know what's on, on deck? What's on deck? Season two of The Boys. Oh, I just I just started that. <laughs> I just started that. We just started watching it last night and or the, the night before. And... Uh, Matt's liking it, but it's really like I think they doubled down on the violence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my my uh, best friend in the world, Suzanne, uh, she got hooked on it. She 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 came to the first season late, and she was like, <laughs> she reached out to me one point randomly and was like, "Have you heard of this show called The Boys?" And I'm like, "Yes, it is fantastic." And she said, "I'm really enjoying it. Why didn't you tell me about this before?" And I'm like, "You know, I just I didn't think that that was going to be in your wheelhouse." And she absolutely loves it. And she's been watching season two, and like without spoiling anything, she's just been give offering some of her reaction. Mm-hmm. So it's been good so far. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I we I, we're enjoying it. There is there's a little bit of a tension to it this season because now, you know, we kind of know what's going on and we, we kind of know the danger that everybody involved is in. Yeah. So, um, so that tension is definitely there. So it's not a, it's not Ozark tension, <laughs> but it is, it is definitely, there's this little, Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, Ozark. <laughs> oh, Ozark. That was, so, that was like a different time. That was so much fun. That was like a month ago. <laughs> Every month in quarantine is like a year. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and, and there, there's that anxiety of, oh God, oh God, we're starting October. What's, what's the October plague going to be? Yeah, no kidding. You know, I, it's been pointed out multiple times that I've seen online, but this year for, for my fellow Halloween fanatics, as I have been my entire life, um, this year, Halloween, I believe it falls on a Saturday night, if not a Friday Mm -hmm. night. And it's also uh, the daylight savings adjustment. So we actually get an extra hour. And it's a full moon. And it's a full moon. And it's not just a full moon. It's a blue moon. <laughs> wow. And we're all going to be inside. Yeah. That's that's just heartbreaking. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> God only knows what's going to crawl out of the earth that night. Right. Well, I mean, Ugh. I guess if wearing a mask is appropriate, you know, <laughs> maybe we can all go outside as long as we're wearing masks. <laughs> that's one thing I miss about living. And that's one thing I miss having 
lived in Palm Springs. Like we have no children. There are no children here. Like I don't see a single trick or treater out here. <laughs> like if I want, if we want to do something Halloweenish, we can go downtown to to like the gay district and like you know, there's there's Halloween costume contests and drag queens everywhere. But that's mm-hmm. that's that is that is Halloween here. You know, and this is coming from having lived in West Hollywood, where you walk to the Hollywood. Halloween parade, which is mm-hmm. just a spectacle all of its own. Yeah. So that sounds amazing. I mean, Halloween in, I've experienced Halloween in Las Vegas and Halloween in New York. Oh, that and sounds awesome. They were both amazing. Both <laughs> amazing. And, and the one in Vegas, it's because my cousin uh, and his fiance got married on Halloween in Vegas. Nice. Yeah, nice. that was, that was a good time. Actually, uh, Bij from uh, the Geek to Geek podcast. I think his anniversary is on Halloween. No kidding. That's it's, it's a, quite a good uh, anniversary date. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so we're all caught up. Are we gonna? Are we getting ready to dive into um, this this insane X Men storyline? Yes. Let's uh, do a quick commercial, and then we are going to talk. Uh, House of X and Power of X. And yeah, I'm excited. All right, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. All right, we are back. And this is actually something that we don't do very often. This is a spoiler cast, but it's for a comic book. <laughs> for a comic book series. So if you have not read House of X yet, although we gave you plenty of uh, time, you know, we've, we've been talking about this for months. Mm-hmm. Uh, House of X and Power of X, that is what we are talking about. Because how did we get on this, Ray? One of us heard that it was possibly the new direction marvel was going to go with x-men yes yes because they were you know marvel does this thing i mean you're either a conspiracy believer or not but they tend to downplay their books featuring characters that they don't have the rights to Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. right (laughs) and then once they get a hold of those characters again suddenly there's an all new all interesting direction right and so this kind of coincided with them buying Fox and getting control back of, of their X-Men franchise. Yeah. And I never thought that I would, I didn't think there was anything you could do to the X-Men that would make me go, Oh wow. Like they just did that. But that was all these series were for me. Like, oh, that makes me so happy to hear. I, I was just ridiculously surprised at everything that they did. And it made sense. Like, it wasn't like, well, that's weird. Why did they do that? Like, it was like, oh my God, they just did that. Yeah. Um, 
where do we even start? Well, I mean, I I keep one eye on the comic book industry still, as you know, right? Mm-hmm. Usually I, I'm the one who's saying like, I heard this or this is coming out. This new writer is on this book and I'm going to check that out, that sort of thing. And I just heard so much hype coming from this storyline. And Jonathan Hickman, when he was writing, I mean, he's done a lot of work for Marvel at this point. And when he was on Fantastic Four and when he was on the Avengers, uh, there was just a lot of good things being said about those runs. And so I knew at some point I wanted to catch up with Hickman's writing. And then when he was given X-Men, that was that seemed like... As you said, it seemed like the kind of story that was a game changer for this franchise in a way that hasn't really been since Claremont first jumped on it. So that I right away, I was like, okay, that's the story that I need to read. And it just seemed to fall in place with what we were talking about recently, right? Like we've just been talking about X-Men. We've been excited for, you know, the MCU to do their thing and if and when and that sort of thing. And um, it just seemed like a good time to catch up with this story now that it's complete. I love I love it. I, I like a thing when it's done and it's already there for me to consume. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am not a patient it. person because then I get distracted <laughs> and I don't finish it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this, it was a really, really enjoyable read for me. And I was really hooked on it for about a week there where I just couldn't put it down. Yeah. Okay. What did you, what were your expectations going in? Had you um, heard anything? Did you have any spoilers? Were you no aware spoilers. of Jonathan Hickman? Anything like that? No, I had. I I was going in clean slate. I just heard that it was game changing. That it completely reimagined the X Men without re like without doing a a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean they did that. They did um the Ultimate X Men, which I thought was an interesting reboot. But there's always something weird about reboots when there's a huge body that they're drawing from and they're like rushing to get to the stuff that they want to get to and they don't build up over time. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's what they did with the ultimate series. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, what are they going to do? That's all that crazy. And all of it, all of it is just out of left field and mm-hmm. it all makes sense. Like they start out by explaining again, last spoiler warning. They, they start out by explaining that Moira McTag- McTaggart's been a, a mutant the entire time. Right. Right. So I was expecting this story to be at first I thought, okay, it's a, it's, it's a new take on the Mm X-Men and it's, it's going to change the status quo. And so I thought we're going to start with the status quo. And then as the story progresses, it's going to change and set up this new status quo going forward. Right. And then I started reading it. I'm like, oh, they didn't waste any time here. There is no so panel panel three. <laughs> oh, Mary McTaggart is a mutant. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Okay. The the status quo is gone. It's dead. It's dust. Like, and and the great thing about it is that they make you it's it's a mystery, is mm-hmm. what the story is. The way it's structured is like a mystery. So you're you're instantly hooked and wanting to know what what are the secrets that they're hiding from me at this point. Right. And then as I progressed through the story, I got to a point, Joe, where there was so much story happening that I started to get the sense of an arc. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, oh, okay, this is this is not going to reboot things going forward. This is gonna just this story's gonna end with the end of this storyline. And they're just gonna be like, put out this awesome arc collected in a trade. And then I really thought that by the end of the story, they were just gonna take it back to what we've known. Right, right. And and that didn't upset me just because I'm so used to that as a comic book fan. Well, I think that's a lot of what the power of this series is, is they're like, we know what you're used to. This is not that. That is and, so true. Yeah. And so so they start by explaining that she's an ex that she's a, a mutant and that her, her mutant power is is she reincarnates back to her birth. So she can live her entire life, die, and then go back and remember her entire previous life and live it again. And mm-hmm. so she can make changes to the timeline. And it's not like timelines like, I mean, it does create multiple timelines, but it's not like the time traveling that we've seen in other things because it's just her. Right, right. And so she, every time that she is reincarnated, it is with the full knowledge of her previous lifetime's experience. Right. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like at first you're like, okay, well, where is this going? And then you realize that there are timelines where she's been aligned with Apocalypse, and there's been timelines where she's been, you know, completely, I am, nobody's going to ever know I'm a mutant. And like it, it basically, we basically find out that every retcon, every change that has happened in the timeline has been caused by Moira McTaggart. Right. Right. And so she, it, I think it's a great use of this like peripheral X-Men character. Right. It's, and I, I feel even wrong calling her peripheral because she has been, you know, really like right in the center in, in some eras of X-Men storytelling. Yes. And, but she and does really seem like beloved a beloved character by some people. Yes. I mean, yes. Yeah. She does seem kind of like a throwback character to me though. I think the way they handle her. Yes. Because there just hasn't been, like I, I don't think she survived the nineties. Like she didn't, she didn't have enough pockets. <laughs> there was no X in her name, so mm-hmm. she, she, she just didn't survive the nineties. Like she, she. That's when I think she became a peripheral figure because before that, she was essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this whole story hinges on the treatment of professor X. How do you feel about professor X? Cause I almost feel like, I almost feel like it fixes a lot of people's problems with professor X. It really does. And I think, I think part of the brilliance of this story is that they recognized that, uh, that professor X <laughs> needed to be addressed. <laughs> yes. He was very problematic because yeah, because, but that is like a, um, that is like a like an X Men fan 2.0 take on 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 Professor X, which is he's problematic as fuck. Like yeah. he's not, you know, it's it's almost like second wave X Men fandom, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like this this acknowledgement that you you don't want to send your kids to Professor X. No. Um, and so wh- that I mean that's what I mean when I'm saying like they they really recognize that the treat how you treat Professor X, uh. uh completely influences how your X-Men stories then evolve from there. Right. And so making professor X, he's, he's 
if you look at Magneto, at least this is how I felt. Tell me how you felt. But reading Magneto in this story and reading Wolverine and reading Cyclops, it's like, yes, these are those, these are, these are how those characters would react to these events. Yes. But reading Professor X, I was like, this is a different character. This is not Professor X that we know. This is not the, these are not the choices that the Professor X we know would make. Except it is because it's the same Professor X. Well, it's it's the Professor X having been enlightened by Moira and what she shared with him. Right. But then you go back and you realize that all of these decisions that were like, and you did that, why? There was a reason for it. Oh, I didn't really read it that way. Oh, yeah. No, I took it as as you now go. Now you know why he goes and sends people off to their death all the time. <laughs> now you know why he has no problem messing with people's minds. Because right. the consequences are so completely different than what we realized they were. Right. You know, I and and this story was really dense for me. Like I had to keep I had to keep going back. Mm-hmm. And going, wait, which time? Wait, what's who's this person? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I, and after I finished it, I went and read a couple of reviews and a couple of articles and the Wikipedia, you know, um, a page and all that. I didn't even realize until after I finished it and it was explained to me by another article that the the timeline that we had been following to the end is is her sixth life. Mm-hmm. That was, I guess, meant to be a big reveal, kind of like a, not a twist, but like a, a reveal at the end. And I, that didn't even land with me at all. Like I was not able to keep track of all those timelines as I was reading. Yeah, because um, it, at some point, Destiny uh, reads her future, realizes she's a mutant, realizes she's lived all these lives and gives her, I think she says eight, maybe nine if she makes the right choices. Right. Can, can you talk to me about, why you felt this was such a game changer? What was it? What was it that made that surprised you about this? The way the, this story treated the X Men. Well, there was two things. The first one was the mind blown that I wanted to immediately call you up, but I was ahead of you, <laughs> so I yeah. couldn't call you. But I think we talked about it afterwards. Is this mind blowing idea that they have figured out a way and have a way um, to bring back every mutant? in the world at any time, <laughs> always like they've basically made all immortal through this very complex yet very simple way of basically what happens is professor X makes a mental copy of every mutant on the planet, like once a month <laughs> and then deposits it in Cerebro. And then um, if somebody dies, they have the genetic material of every mutant on the planet and they've got five mutants that that their powers combine. I am captain planet uh, can create and re-age the, the people back up to normal. Right. One of those, one of those mutants creates orbs and they don't know what they are. They're just orbs. And then someone realizes that they're actually uh, eggs. They're 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 eggs, unfertilized eggs. Exactly. So that, that creates, the possibility that for an embryo, which is the, you know, the, the, and then someone else's power sort of gives it life. And then someone else's power sort of speeds it up. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's how they're able to, I I love that. It's this 
process that involves multiple mutants and that they described in detail because this is comic books. They could have easily said, yeah, Professor X logs a copy and then Forge created this machine and we just hit a button and it's right, Jetsons. Right. And you know what I mean? It's the same result, but I'm so glad that it, it's such a, it's a, it makes such for such so much more of an impact for them to explain this process in this way. They basically fix every problem with every mutant you could possibly have. Like Proteus is one of the five that does this, the Proteus that like burns out his body every five minutes. And so they just have like backup copies of his body so that he doesn't have to kill anybody to take over bodies. I'm shocked um, at what I'm hearing from you right now. What? Like how, you're, you're being so effusive and I don't know how to take this, that you're like, it fixes everything. <laughs> Everything like it just it, it, it like there's a reason because one of my things and I've I know I've said it on on the show many times part of the reason why I kind of stopped reading X Men comics was because there was just no stakes um, and it's why I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer because they t- explained to you early on yeah people die and if we bring them back there are consequences to those deaths. And there's no consequences to any X-Men deaths, but now we understand why, and there's a reason for it, and it makes it, like, if you're resetting these characters back to zero, it explains why they always keep coming back. Wow. I didn't even, like, have that read of it, and you're so right. And, And they have to have had this in mind as well, right? Right, because, I mean, like, one of, that's one of the, one of the complaints, like, you know, it started with Jean Grey. The whole, like, if you want to get meta about it, you got to figure it, the only reason why Jean Grey ever got back is because somebody dared Kurt Busiek to, to resurrect her, to retcon. Yes. yes. And so it was like, mission, you know, hold my beer. And he did it. Yeah. And so it kind of set this precedent that everybody moving forward, like if you want to use Colossus in your group, but we killed him off two creators ago, well, you just bring him back. We'll explain yeah, that somehow. Only only Bucky stays dead. And that's not even true anymore. And that isn't even true anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um and so so for me it was like, okay, that fixes so many problems. And then the other the other thing that really resonated for me was the fact that and I I, I thought of you while while I was reading this because I know we're not gonna get into politics, but I always feel like you're the you're the there's a third option. You just need to do it person like like it's like well we have to do this or we have to do that like those are our two choices and you're like no you can do anything you want <laughs> like you just got to do it and uh, and that's exactly what the x-men do in this they're like you yeah. want us to do this and everybody thinks we should do that if we're not going to do if we're not going to do a we've got to do b fuck y'all we're going to do what we want to do and it's completely different than anything else everybody like they decide you know what we're going to blackmail you we're going to manipulate you and we're not doing it because we think you're evil or horrible. We just know that this is our livelihood and you're not the boss of us. So we're going to go do our own thing. Enter apocalypse. Yes, <laughs> literally. Literally. Apocalypse. literally. <laughs> it's like, oh, our choices are Professor X's ethos or Magneto's ethos. No. <laughs> Actually, no. We're going to go through door number three. <laughs> And what what Ray's explaining with that is that basically the idea is is that mutants are better than humans, and they figured that humans are going to die out after something like three generations, and now they're all immortal, so they're just going to go on their island and wait us all out. 
<laughs> like that that's that's their plan they're like you know what we can keep fighting you we can keep protecting you we keep trying to prove ourselves to you but it doesn't matter and and even even apocalypse has gotten more chill because he's like yeah i've yeah we've we've proven that mutants are the superior species that's all i really wanted to do so yeah let's, <laughs> let's just chill on this out let's just chill on Krak- uh krakoa for for the next Several decades. I love how much X-Men history they weave into this story as well. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There is so they, they find a use for just the most uh out of left field characters and it makes sense for the story. Mm-hmm. And it's almost in a way it's celebrating those characters because it takes these characters and makes them so important to, to the structure of this story and for them to tell the story that they want to tell. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And, and, and I have to, I, I did want to talk about the stakes with you, but I, okay. I also, I need to point out that um, the artists on these stories are fucking amazing. They really are like, uh, Pepe Laraz, R.B. Silva, and Marte Gracia, all Latino artists, which I just am literally just noticing right now. Um, and amazing, amazing artists. Like the art is so, it's, I, I realized that the art was doing this thing where it was being like, oh, how do I put this? It was it was impactful without being showy, right? Well, and it was and it was like there's so many different costumes you can pick for these characters, and I feel they just went back to one. They're like there was a reason why this character had this costume, so this is the costume we're giving them. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I mean. For for all your com- anybody's complaints about things like Polaris's costume, her original one with she kind of has the the Scarlet Witch little head thing, mm-hmm. um, they're like, well, this is who she religi- religi- originally was. Let's just do that. We're not going to do it like crazy. We're not going to give her huge boobs and a you know tiny little waist that can't support her upper body. Right. We're just going to make it look as natural as we can because this is kind of their legacy. Yeah. Yeah, the the artwork just blew me away on every single page. The detail, the storytelling, like you said, the costume design. I love that they put Magneto in all white. I love mm-hmm. that they went mm-hmm. with so many classic costumes. They were they were the classic costumes, or they were a slight riff on the classic costume. Right. You know, and, the people who like like Magne- Magneto, classic costume, but they changed it because it's a different take mm-hmm. on Magneto. Like it's, it is him, but he has, he has accepted a different way of doing things. I feel like, and then even the, even the, the newer characters that they introduce, the future characters that are like amalgams or, or hybrids or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so much there to unpack and to like learn about. Cause it's so dense, the storytelling, but even those characters, their designs harken back to, to familiar character designs that we know as X-Men fans. Yeah. Well, and, and then you, you bring up another thing that I absolutely love about this series, these series, um, is that, you know, my favorite moments in X-Men history are Days of Future Past and Age of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And they kind of pay tribute to both of those. Yeah. Because we see both those timelines in some way or another. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's, uh, there's so much good stuff. I can like I can't say enough good stuff about this series. Like I, I literally enjoyed every second of it. Now I could be wrong, but now that I'm thinking about it, the only character that gets a massive redesign is Professor X. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. Like he walks around wearing Cerebro on his head <laughs> at yeah. all times. He just exists with Cerebro coming along with him at every moment. Well, because it's very important. Like the importance of Cerebro, there's like what three backups of all the consciousnesses, mm-hmm. and um, and then Sinister has something to do with all the genetic storage, and like they they use everybody. <laughs> like, they really do. And it's funny because it it means that that Hickman had to kind of step back and go, the X Men have all of these resources, and then. This is why, like, this will come back when we talk about New Mutants. But the X-Men mythos has so many different resources character-wise. Like, characters can literally do everything. Yes. That if they did just ever take a step back and look at what their options were, they have so many options to work with. And it's almost like Hickman was like, why didn't you guys figure this out sooner? Like, this is the way they would have done it. Yeah, it's it's if you if you decide to stop fighting each other, no one can defeat you. Mm-hmm. They have everything, and it's in, really interesting that they also, um, they also account for the human side of that, which is we need to band together and aim, shield, Hydra, and Alpha Flight have to all band together in order to try their best to keep the human race going. Right. Right. And, and, and they still, I mean, it's very much, I think a message when, when was this written? This was the 1990, or sorry, 2019. Yeah. So, you know, there is this message of um, unity and stop fighting with each other. And, you know, look at the resources you have and what you could do if you stopped being idiots to one another. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely that, but they also have this human, like they don't reject humans. They don't say you, you can't, you know, you can't come to the Island. If you have family, you can't, but it, it, this is our safe space. And if Krakoa doesn't want you on here, you don't get to come. I love in the first, uh, the, the way they just kind of, it, there's an arrogance about them that makes mm-hmm. sense because if they are the next evolution, right? They're they're mm-hmm. really just carrying on with a full acceptance of that instead of being tortured by it or angsty about it. This is what this is. This is the X Men without the angst. Yeah, and it and and if you said, "Oh, we're going to do the X Men without the angst," I would go, "Well, then what what do you have left?" Right. And it's this whole because the the again the the idea is is for people who have not read it, um, Krakoa is back somehow. Uh, I, I'm assuming that either there was a story plot where they brought it back, or it's just another thing that they grew genetically, um, and they're all living on Krakoa, and they can create these portals to anywhere they want, yeah. and so they basically created this entire network where they can go anywhere in the world at any time, do whatever they want to do. And they've gone and gotten every mutant in the world and they've brought them back to Krakoa. And it's like, we're just going to sit here and we're going to wait out humanity. And humanity. the reason why humanity has no choice, but to allow them to do this is because Krakoa is producing this uh, plant-based 
I don't know what you call it, serum or, or chemical or organic chemical that cures everything. Yeah. Yeah. So they're basically the pharmaceutical company now. Yeah. Is saying, you know, and, and, and humans are saying, yes, we, we governments around the world are saying, we want this, we need this. So wh whatever you want, fine. Um, and I love that scene in the first ep in the first episode, in the first issue where <laughs> I think it was Cyclops who says who, are, you know, cause, cause, uh, there's a scene where Sabretooth and Mystique and, and a couple other baddies are stealing something that, you know, the, the X-Men want, that Professor X and, and uh, Magneto want. And they're almost captured by Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. And then right as, you know, Cyclops shows up and says, hey, you know, diplomatic immunity sort of thing, you know, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're taking these are mutants and you have no say over mutants anymore and we're taking them. And he addresses Franklin Richards and says, Hey, when you're, when you're ready to come with your family, we're, we're, we're ready for you. Like, we'll, we'll accept you like yeah, yeah. totally ignoring his mother and father and family and just addressing right to Franklin going, you're a mutant. So you're one of us and we're your real family. And when you're ready, come on home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Great. No, I mean, it's, it's just like, it, it, it is so unsustainable unexpected like nothing in this there there is an arrogance that is not off-putting at all like you would think it would be you'd bounce off it and go ooh, like they're just being kind of but they're not being horrible to anybody they're just like yeah this is what we're doing and yeah. we're tired of being and because and it would not i don't think it would have worked if if they hadn't been set up for so many decades of being so mistreated by society and so broken down over over the yes. years and yes. have so many problems because and now they speak it's to like, that. they speak yeah, to that yeah and you can't be you can't be upset at them because you get it yep. you get it again much like some of the things that's going on <laughs> in the world today it's really interesting i love how much they they slowly unveil the timeline that these stories are taking place in Mm -hmm. Because there are things like the human machine supremacy where, you know, a little bit into the future where humanity realizes that mutants have the upper hand and humanity is dying off in a last ditch effort. They decide to create an AI that's going to help. And they basically join machines and become subservient to machines in order to guarantee the survival of the human race, thinking, well, I'd rather be subservient to a machine you know, uh, overlord than to be extinct because of mutants. Right. And then sinister, they, they use every, they use sentinels in a creative way. They use apocalypse in a creative way. They use, uh, sinister in a creative way. Uh, they even use Wolverine in a creative way mm -hmm. and, and sinister who, who, you know, because, some mutants have reservations about like, really, we're going to bring all mutants to Krakoa. Really? Like we're, we're going to, we're going to call a truce with all of these evil beings that we've been fighting for so long. Are you sure we can trust them? And it turns out to be sinister against spoilers uh, is the one who at some point in, in one of the future timelines uh, turns on, on mutants and mm -hmm. double crosses them to like disastrous effects to where mutants almost pretty much go extinct because of that. 
Yeah. And, and, but they, but they also, they kind of, it's kind of taking care of themselves because they also use Sabretooth in a um, creative way because he's the first person they put in jail. <laughs> they basically say, cause he kills, right. he, right. he endangers, uh, he endangers a mutant's life, which they've decided is not, isn't that what it is? Or is it because he killed a human and they can't bring humans back? Oh, I don't remember, but I the, what, that's that seems so accurate to the character. Yes, yeah, Sabretooth would not be able to play nice. He's fucking Sabretooth. <laughs> like, yeah, so, so <laughs> they don't kill him. They just kind of like they're like, okay, permanent hibernation in the middle of Krakoa, and there you go, problem yeah. solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and again, it does it. It, it makes the solution, the quote unquote solution, of the, that this story offers feel more real because the, there's consequences and there are people that don't fit in to this mm-hmm. and they address that instead of just ignoring it and say, no, yeah, all the mutants decide to live happily together. And you're going, wait, really? Like they address that. Right. They address it, but they also explain that in a world where they're not having to fight for their lives, mm-hmm. they, there's no reason for most of them. A lot of the, a lot of the conflict that came from, mm-hmm. um, that 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 was caused was because they were fighting for their existence, and now right. that they don't have to fight for their existence anymore, um, there's no reason to fight. They're they're in the middle of you know a utopian society. Why not chill on the beach? Because unless you're they're... unless unless you're fighting because it's in your nature and you give no fucks like Sabretooth. right? Right, <laughs> and even then they try and take the people who are are like that and put them to use where they can kind of get that other system. <laughs> and yeah. you know, there's a place for everybody. We'll find something for you to do. It's fine. It, it really uh, impressed me how they used Sinister's like you know natural inclination to to play with mutant genetics. It took me a while to understand like what are these chimeras and what are these hounds and what where the fuck did this come from and who's that? That looks like Nightcrawler. Is that like a descendant of Nightcrawler? It's like, oh, Sinister has been busy for decades, <laughs> like just splicing all of this genetic material together and coming up with a a whole class of warrior mutants and a whole class of um, you know, just different like mutants that serve different roles. Right. And so and it's it's they they have these these like combined names that come from the the different mutants that they're made up of. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a super fan, you recognize that stuff and you know it right away and you go, "Oh, this is a combination of this and this." Mhm. There is stakes. How did they do that? How did they how how, <laughs> how did this feel so how did this story feel so urgent? Um, well, because, because they did splice through all the possible ways that they could fail. Hmm. Like that, that was the whole thing. It's like, if they don't, if they don't, they set up very early on that Moira's gone through all these different lives and she's tried all these different things to try and stop the extinction of mutants. And it never turns out right. And so the stakes are, making sure that every domino falls exactly the way it needs to fall for mutants to survive. And that's what creates the stakes is that the stakes are created in the other timelines so that the timeline where we're technically in, we can kind of just see the process happen because the stakes are in all the other timelines. God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that almost makes you feel like an, an inevitability, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, how are they going to survive? 
how like if it's been tried so many different ways and like literally they show you all the different ways that it's been tried each story is each issue is so dense with story it's incredible i love the 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 montage of uh all of moira's different lives in part three the uncanny life of moira x Mm -hmm. and in one she's like a shield agent and in another she's fully supporting xavier and his vision in another she is all about science thinking that that's gonna have the answer she becomes an assassin when that doesn't work she joins magneto in one life because she realizes that xavier's vision is not gonna you know uh, uh work i mean she even i think at one point uh allies with apocalypse yeah no i think and i think that's the the timeline that she realizes that it's not any one of their ideas it's got to be a combination of the three it's got to be like mutants can live together in harmony we do have to live apart from humanity and we're better than everybody else (laughs) and that kind of just sums up all three (laughs) three views like we get along we need to separate from society because we're better than that so unfortunately, this is going to be a, a shorter show than we're probably used to making. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to get your thoughts on what what exactly do these stories do to what do they set up? What what's 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 next after this story for X Men? Well, it almost becomes political intrigue, doesn't it? Like because you know that they've now got all these enemies on the outside that are. You know, the the humanity is is not comfortable with these mutants being on their own little island where they can do whatever the hell they want. And so I think that and now I have I know that there's a whole bunch of series that have stemmed from this and I've only dipped my toes into them. But I think that's kind of the idea is is the political intrigue now that's coming out of out of this. And I'll be very interested to see what kind of take we get in the Marvel Universe, because do you start here? Right. Right. Yeah. We were, it's, you know, I think this came about cause we were talking about, are the X-Men still relevant? Mm-hmm. Is the story, you know, do you need to update it or not? And this is the update. <laughs> this is the update. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I think if, if Claremont ushered in the eight, he really made the X-Men what, what we know them to be today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he did that. Shout out to um, shout out to explain the X Men podcast, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But Claremont did that by bringing in all of these fantasy, really geeky, really subculture at the time fantasy influences that he was into, and weaving all of these stories. You know, Lord of the Rings and Excalibur and all this stuff, weaving it into X Men. And, and sort of ushering in this mythos that we know of. And there's been other things. Other writers have brought in other, other things. But that was kind of, to me, the genesis of, like, this version of the X-Men up to now, Claremont's X-Men. Mm-hmm. And now, going forward, this feels like a very science fiction version. If, if, if previously we had a fantasy X-Men, this is a science fiction X-Men. This is definitely a science fiction X-Men. And I, I love the idea that we could go back to zero. We could go back and embrace Claremontian X-Men, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but not feel like it's a step backwards. Yeah. 
Like, I feel like the char- characters have become their authentic selves, but it's not stagnating their stories. Right. Right. I just realized that he's not even called Professor. He's just called X mm-hmm. in this story. He's not called Professor X anymore. Oh, this is so, man. I, I need to go back and read it again now. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it, and, it's, and it's definitely readable because you're going to get so much more. I know we, we would get so much more out of going through it again that we'd missed the first time because, as you said, it's very dense. Yes. But if, if you are at, if you're listening to this and you're at all an X Men fan, like, this is an amazing story. It is just it. If you're if you're new to the X Men, it's it's going to be interesting. If you are a longtime fan, you're going to have so much fun with all the little callbacks, and it's not fan service. It's it's honest. You can. It's like what we always talk about when we talk about the movies. The yeah. writers and the artists love these characters, and they're they're treating them with a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at an overview and just so many little interesting moments are sticking out to me still that I'm like, I need to go back and read it again. Um, did you continue reading after um, after the close of this? Have you have you have you jumped into the next what is the next story called even? Um well it's I think it's uh Dawn of the X-Men. Dawn is Dawn. what the what the next set of series is called. And I think I've seen three of them. I saw the one with Kitty Pride, because for some reason Kitty Pride can't go to Krakoa and nobody really understands why. But um she can't get on that she can't go by herself. She has to be escorted in and Krakoa's not thrilled with her being there. So um they've got a whole different story path for her, which I think is just fun and ridiculous. And then what were the other two? I'm trying to think of which one I don't have my, I don't have my um, iPad here, which has got my unlimited. What are the, what are the ones you've seen? So after I love that you're saying seen and not read, like if this is a TV show. Um, <laughs> so after house of X and powers of X six, six titles rebooted with number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, are they all part of Dawn of X? That's the Dawn of X initiative. Yeah. Yeah. It's the official banner that covers six all new ongoing series, two of which directly written by Hickman. So the only two that I read were the two that were directly written by, by Hickman, even though all six are overseen and guided by Hickman. Uh, I'm only, I've only been reading the two that are, that he's directly writing. Um, and I have to say, Joe, I'm not, it's not holding me. It's not holding you? It's not. And, and, and I stopped. I took a break. I'm going to jump back in. Probably after I reread this awesome series, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back into the new rebooted series and see if they catch me. But they didn't. At the, I think I was just, honestly, how can you compare? Like, it just, it just felt, I felt so overwhelmed by this, the awesomeness of these two stories that, it just afterwards felt a little bit like a letdown, which is not yeah. fair. It's not fair to those stories, you know? Um, I think I have read, I know I read new mutants number one, and I remember it not being my favorite at all. Like out of all of them, I was like, this is not hmm. interesting. It was very slow and very heady. And I think it might be one that he's writing. Is it? So yeah. It's, it's yeah. And, and honestly, I've always loved, um, Lionel use work mm-hmm. and it just compared to what I just experienced. It was really falling flat with me. Mm-hmm. They just feel like action figures. 
Yeah. And, uh, uh, but that's Dawn of X. That's X-Men number one, the flagship of the Dawn of X lineup. Right. Um, and this is the, the, this is like the main title. And then you have Marauders number one. And I read that one. I enjoyed it. I, but I, I love, I love uh, shadow cat. So they describe it as the book that breaks all the rules. Yeah. And then there's Excalibur number one. And this one says, this is the X book that tackles the fantastic and the future. And you've got, I think apocalypse on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have new mutants. Number one. Um, and this one just says it's the one that they're most excited about. Uh, this is the one we're most stoked for because it takes one of our favorite runs of all time, which is the early new mutant stuff and pulls the spirit and energy from that kind of storytelling and channels it into the new awesomeness that Hickman is doing. What did you think of that? Wait, which one? The, the new mutants. Yeah. I thought it was very talky, but I only read the first, ep- uh, the first issue. Yeah, that's great. That brings up a good point that I actually forgot. I, I wanted to mention, which is that I, I read about, you know, I read reviews after I had finished House of X and Powers of X. I read reviews uh, to get people's takes, and you know, mostly it was it was love, but there was some you know complaints or some criticisms. And one of the main ones is that Hickman's writing is so talky and so exposition heavy. Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother me in, in either House of X or Powers of X. But when I got to Dawn of X, that's when it started to bother me. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was a little slow. Like, I feel like the New Mutants, uh, if I remember correctly, the New Mutants, uh, Cannonball gets kidnapped somehow. And so they go off to go get him. But nothing really happens. Like, it, it felt like the bad parts of Claremont New Mutants. Mm. Like when, when you're sitting there going, okay, let's, let's get past this angsty stuff and, and just get to good story. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so we have just to finish up the lineup, we have X-Force, which is the black ops of the X-Men world. We have, and then we have fallen angels, which is Psylocke X-23 and cable in one book. Well, because it says uh, it takes a closer look at the human subcultures that are arising out of the dawn of X. Got it. Got it. Wow. I mean, this is really ambitious and massive storytelling for the yeah. X-Men. Yeah. And I, I, now that we've, we've talked about it, I think I need to go back. And I don't know that I will go right back and reread the, the first two. I think I will probably go back and reread the dawn of X stuff and, and read that forward a little bit and see yeah see what's going on there because there is a lot of stuff going on. They're, they're really exploring instead of like how many X-Men can we pack in, in these titles? It's really like each book is doing its own thing. Right. Right. And has and its own purpose to explore this new way of looking at the X-Men. And I think this is timely because these, all of these dropped this time last year. Mm-hmm. So we're actually, you know, we're, we're on, we're coming up to the one year anniversary of the relaunch of all of these titles. So this is actually a good time to kind of, I'm interested to read reviews of these titles and say, okay, you know, now that powers of X and house of X did their thing and, and created this new status quo for all of these number one relaunches of these titles. What has the last year been like? What, what is the, what is the verdict on, on a year's worth of stories from each of these uh, titles. Yeah. And they, the, the 
cool thing is is that the only one that's not still running looks like Fallen Angels, and that looks like it was supposed to be a limited series. Cool. God, I mean, for them to be running for an entire year, Ray, like, I don't know how to handle that kind of concept. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 12 monthly issues. That means they they must have 12 issues under their belt, each, each title. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. This, I mean, not now, you know, because we finally talked about it, I want to go back and read the uh, house of X and powers of X again, and then, and then see if I can dive back into X-Men number one and, and, stay with it this time. One thing I thought was very interesting is, did you notice that, that Wanda is no longer a mutant? Yes. Did you see that? That was just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, she was never a mutant. It was never a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I also remember that when X puts out the call for all mutants to come to Krakoa, uh, they show Namor saying, uh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> declining the invite and actually he doesn't just decline the invite he says i don't believe you you don't really mean it come back when you actually mean when you actually believe this yeah yeah <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh namor always an ass <laughs> i can't wait can can you believe like when i would have never like i can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth i'm excited to see a marvel uh cinematic universe namor and I hope they make him just an absolute horrible person. Like, I want to see him just be an ass. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I can't wait to see him on the screen. And I feel uh, like that's, I feel like that second round of, of fantastic four, although I know that he was kind of suggested as a black Panther villain. Yeah. I hope they do something like that along those lines. That would be great. Yeah. Oh man. This is so cool. I'm so hyped for X-Men now. Yeah. Well, I ho- I know we were both exhausted, but I hope I hope that this was a good kind of like refresh for the rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. To be honest with you, I'm I'm going to track down new You know what? So I've been researching new mutants this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for where I can watch it. Uh unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's in drive-ins anymore. That I missed that boat by a couple weeks, and it makes sense if it's not making money, it's not going to stay in drive-ins, right? No, not at all. And so there are theaters showing it, but I'm not about that life. So <laughs> the theater. So my next option, I started to research. Okay, when is it going to be streaming? Get this, Joe. Get this. Um, Fox, which technically is you know releasing New Mutants, right? Uh-huh. Fox and HBO have a pre-existing streaming deal in place. New Mutants is going to be streaming on HBO Max. When? So here's so that's impacted by this deal. Because I'm thinking like, oh, it's gonna be on Disney Plus any day. Right, right, right. No, because Disney wants to squeeze, you know, whatever money, monetary gain they can out of this flop, right? Right. No. HBO Max owns the streaming rights to this movie. Therefore, Disney is trying to keep it in theaters for as long as humanly possible. Wow. Because once it streams, they they lose the rights to that. It's going to HBO Max. Like forever or just? It says two years. For two years. 2022. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? Honestly, 
like it it's on brand for this movie. Oh my god, totally. It's, it's on so brand for it. this movie. What the fuck, New Mutants? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop trying to make New Mutants a thing. It's oh be a thing. my god. <laughs> it says even it's okay. These titles, along with New Mutants, will make their way to Disney Plus or Hulu eventually, because Hulu is part of, you know, Disney now. But it's just a matter of when. Even HBO Max subscribers will need to pack some patience since Disney plans to keep the New Mutants in theaters as long as they can. Ugh. <laughs> this is killing me. Uh, we will, f- I will, I will do some research, sir. We will find yep. you, we will find you a drive-in. Cause I gotta say the drive-in experience people, if you've got a drive-in near you, it was fun because I hadn't seen a new movie in eight months and it, it was, it was nice and yeah, I would see you for relatively inexpensive. Uh, yeah. All the drive-ins that I'm seeing, um, in the LA Southern California area, they stopped showing you mutants last weekend or two weeks. Oh, uh, see, I should have just, I should have just told you. Uh, <laughs> I should have just said, go see it. Yeah. Everything was, um, September. Let's see. New mutants, new mutants. Where, 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 where new mutants, September 10th. September 11th to 12th, September 13th, uh, New Mutant, September 13th through the 17th. Uh, yeah, it's all ending at the 17th, on the 17th, which is two weeks ago, right? Right. There's one here, but I don't see what date it is. I will drive to, to Palm Springs because I will go watch this. <laughs> I'm serious. I will go. I, I, you know, I have someone that I want to spend that time with and I know she's down to take fun road trips and we'll, I'll pick up Sherman's on the way back and it'll be totally worth it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I will, I will, there's, there's something going on in Montclair. Yeah, I saw that. So that might be a good place to see it. There, there are, I think there will be options. We will look. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Let's, let's wrap this up. And of course I did it on the wrong thing. So now I've got to find my notes. Where did my notes go? I'm a mess. I'm a mess. <laughs> oh my God. This is totally got to get edited out and I'll forget and it won't get edited out. So you're going to get this like authentic. This is authentic podcasting people. This is, this is how we do it. All right. <laughs> It is that time of year, folks. It is that time of year. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out our other geek to geek shows, the geek to geek Podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me, Love and K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, My HGTV Addiction, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, and sometimes Rob. Also check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J and Bombashock, and make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast, although I think we might be closing that up. Uh, join us on Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektotune.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektotune.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? 
I am at Ray Vargas three on multiple social media platforms. That's Ray Vargas. And then the number three, and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and actually now I'm on discord as well. So I need to, I need to pop into that, uh, Geetitude discord channel or server. And if you want to take a look at my artwork, you can find me at rayvargas3.com. Awesome. Yeah. I'll send it to you before we finish up today. Awesome. All right, guys, this is it. It's been nice talking to you, Ray. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. We'll, we'll see when it happens again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but until then, remember this week, keep it geek.